What do you think of when you hear the word business? I for once imagine a shop or a restaurant or maybe like an accounting firm. But stop for a moment. What about artists, writers, musicians? They have to make money selling their work as well. What are the challenges they face? And is there a tension between the desire to make high art and the mundane everyday business of making money? Today we talk with Tanya Mishra, an architect by training and the extremely talented founder of Padmeham and Tanya Clay Studio, which are ceramic studios based in Singapore and India. We're going to ask her about her journey and the lessons that she has learned that you could apply to your own art-based venture. But before we begin, a couple of quick reminders. If you like this episode and we are sure that you will, please do rate it five stars and please follow the show so you don't miss any of the fantastic guests that we have coming up all through this year. Also, if you need a recap after the episode, please feel free to head over to crazytalk.online where you can read transcripts of all of our shows. So with that said, Tanya, welcome to Shop Talk. It's really a pleasure to have you with us today. Before we begin, we could start with a short intro. Tell us about Tanya Clay Studio, Padmeham, and what you're doing with them. Okay, so I'm the founder of both Tanya Clay Studio and Padmeham. Tanya Clay Studio is based out of New Delhi. It started off as a very small studio which sold clips and hairbands and very, very basic things for kids and has grown to be in the wedding space, in the gifting space and in the interior space. Padmeham is experimental teaching studio and a production studio. So the idea is to explore different kinds of ceramic and create products which are sustainable. That applies for both the students. You used to be an architect. You started your career as an architect and I think an urban designer, urban planner. How was that experience and what made you digress into the art world? I'm an architect by profession. I was trained as an architect in India and then an urban designer in the US and Colombia. My journey was beautiful in the world of architecture, but when I moved to Singapore, I was not very comfortable with the way architecture was being done in Singapore. It was very different for me and I was not adjusting very well. At that time, I was a very young mom. I had a very young child, so I wanted more time at home. So I was looking at flexibility and that wasn't an option back then. So I was really keen on doing something which is sustainable, which is green, something to do with my hands, something I could do which is non-toxic and at home. So I got trained in Japan with photoreal flowers. They are clay flowers, they are just decorative flowers, but just very, very therapeutic and beautiful to be making them in person. The idea started as first doing the flower course and then thinking of how this can be used in various parts of Indian festivities, Indian world and Western world. We're also merging the urban side of my education, which was how to rehabilitate women. So it was a merger between art and my understanding of 3D volumes, 3D work and how to rehabilitate women. So that's how Tanya Clay Studio came about. It's actually quite cool that you were able to meld so many different thoughts into your work, which is you're taking the art side, the architectural training and also this desire to do social good essentially into one thing. When you first went for that training in Japan, I think you said, were you already thinking about starting a business around that kind of thing? Or was it just one of those things you wanted to do 
and then something came of it later it was the start of a phase which i didn't know where was where it was going to you quit corporate and you're very nervous about what next and there are a lot of thoughts financially how do i get to where i was how do i handle doing anything what's next you do most of us don't even know if we have a skill set we can do something with outside of the corporate and monetize it so you feel quite nervous at times there's a lot of questioning yourself whether it was the right choice you also look at other job searches and you look at other options yes so remember as everybody who's going to be an artist or who's already an artist and still thinks they're struggling your friends are not going to be your clients that's a rule if you keep it that you'll have friends by the end of it but if you feel like your friend is going to buy your product because she or she said it she loves it then you're going to make a lesser and lesser friends by the end of it so after i did the deco clay course in japan uh, it was actually quite reassuring that i could do something with it because when i got back i started getting very small orders like can you make me a clip and a hairband for my daughter or oh this is gorgeous how much would it cost so it was small products kids products because it was easy for me to do that and then boss saw the hairband and said oh you're doing so well why would you waste your time looking at autocad and three all your life you should be doing this it's uh, impressive if your boss tells you to quit and do something yeah, else but you have to question is it you are probably doing something right and then she was very encouraging she gave me a large for me then very large order of 40 boxes to distribute for all the big guests in office for christmas so it was an actual order of 40 pieces so that's when i started thinking this is real this is happening that's when i started thinking uh, do i make the boxes cardboard boxes how does this work how do you make it so if you're trying to replace fresh flowers with photoreal flowers and reduce wastage of fresh flowers which happens a whole lot in festivities and weddings across the world but especially india we are prone to having large amount of flowers for all our celebrations i also started thinking of uh, using um, sustainable boxes how do you use sustainable boxes which are very traditional if you start with in india we use uh, leaves for eating banana leaves for eating or we also use uh, different kind of leaves for our snacks in the street snacks are always served in leaves so we also have leaf boxes which are used for distribution of sweets from the temples these are traditional boxes you would never think of them as anything else because they're of a certain size they're very old traditional boxes so i took that design traditional boxes and converted them into wine boxes which are different proportion different size and adding the flowers makes them very modern give it gives it a modern take so that's where my journey with uh, being sustainable with every product so the wine is probably consumed and it's gone but the box still remains or we've had weddings where taken photo frames for wedding invitations and of course the invitation card is thrown but the photo frame remains and people use the photo frame their own pictures so i feel like it's very important that when you are doing large scale scale gifting that you actually reuse the product give it a new fresh look essentially you got an order to do x but you immediately actually right back then itself started thinking about how can you make this beyond just the thing that's been asked for because you're trying to build a business around sustainability and social good 
where you must have been extremely nervous about whether you can do this at all. And given that it's sort of a high profile or a time bound opportunity, not exactly something that you can just give up. So how did you actually source the you know, raw material or the components that you needed to make all of this? So it's interesting. I grew up in a state in India called Orissa, which is the eastern coast of India. And the temples over there use boxes, which are palm leaf boxes. They are woven palm leaf boxes and multiple villages actually make these boxes in large quantities. It was very going back to home and saying that, okay, I need these boxes. I know it's made in these villages. But over years, the male population in the villages have migrated to big cities. And it's the women who are left behind with the kids. So I also started doing this that, okay, this is 40 boxes. I give you 40 boxes orders, make it to this shape and size for me. And it's like building a network for a livelihood. 40 boxes, these women would barely get few dollars or even less than a dollar. But if I'm getting a good price in Singapore, I want to give the entire profit to them. Because so the idea is there's no middleman and they're, they're actually getting the entire worth of their work. It was a beautiful way of starting a community. And later on, we've had adopted multiple villages because we've had 500 boxes and 1000 boxes. And then you just take the entire village, you tell them that we are going to give you X amount of money for the entire month and you're going to be doing just our order because I realized that taking these old style handicrafts you have to modernize them so one part of modernizing them is to give them the new age shape and size when you tell them iPhone case or you tell them wine bottle it becomes a completely modernized product for them so not only do they sell to me for the first one month, they make it for me, but then they can also sell to others who relate to these new age products. It's not becoming a dying craft. You're doing a few things here, right? One is you're giving some income assurance to large numbers of people and you're able to diffuse this upskilling amongst a large group of people and then they can sustain themselves with other clients and so on. I think this is a very, very important and a very nice way of, of uh, getting work done. I haven't heard of this kind of a model anywhere else, actually. So you're getting this source from the villages and you kind of at least got your supply chain sorted out. But on the other side, I'm sure somebody has to stick the flowers onto these boxes or color them, paint them, whatever. So how do you build a team to do that? The first order I did wish I had four hands and more to be able to do this. But very soon, I realized that this was the time to grow. And at that time, I thought India had a potential to grow large in terms of these gifting products. Like, there is nothing as big as Indian weddings and festivals. There's nothing, nowhere to compete with. I went back home in summer. Both of my both my mom and me had trained in the flowers. And we were doing another order and we were scrambling for it and the lady who does our daily domestic cleaning would just look at it and say wow wow so at one point i said okay i need more people so i asked her will you do how much money do you make in a month she said an x amount and i said if i give you that besides doing my house will you be open to learning this and doing it and she just her eyes like was shining and happy so it started and it became a cascading effect like today i have I have people asking me every day, 2013 will say, can you take me in the studio? Because it started becoming like a community of women who will come make flowers, it's therapeutic, it's a safe space. The owners are 
women so we understand that their children will come back from school eat lunch with them will come back so it becomes a small extension of a family where we understand we've lived there we we are struggling with having kids lot of them are battered women they have had acid thrown on them lot of them are castrated from the society because they couldn't have kids there's all kinds of social issues which they are dealing with on a daily level so giving them a workspace which is happy safe flowers colors is just therapeutic it's grown into a beautiful family of pretty women tanya tell me something this is obviously a skill that you need to build right to make these kinds of photorealistic well anything i suppose so are you saying that any woman who applies and gets accepted is able to perform to that skill level no now we have a little segregated little pockets of there are some girls who are very good with photography and they do our photography and instagram there are some girls who the younger girls know this stuff older generation they are they're more the crafters they'll do the crafting and the flowers and stuff then we have some pack our products for shipping and tabling we do give them english education because we need them to know basic reading and writing so every sunday we give them some english education for them to work with us and for their own self we have some who work with lace there are some who only do the paintings on the boards and the frames so there are small pockets of things it's not like others can't do it but some are really good with flowers and some are not so then we have uh, differentiated them into little pockets so you, can, you can say departments but it's only also so how do you decide who should join and who you would rather not have because it seems to be not based on skill or knowledge because you're actually training them i get a lot of resumes from nid and nift and courses which people can actually get jobs else i encourage them to go and work elsewhere the women who i choose will not be taken anywhere else they won't get a chance in any of the firms they can't speak english they can't they speak the native language they can only work with flowers they are not comfortable showing their faces because of acid thrown multiple reasons so they are the ones who will not get a job so those are the ones i pick to my work because the others the nids and nifts as much as it be easy for me will get a job will they will so i discourage them more so no this is not the right place for you and Right. Like so this is going in line with your desire to do social good essentially you are bringing on the people who have no other opportunities open to them and you also worked out a system to train them in areas which they may be more amenable towards uh, that's very nice i mean you found a way to get people without this knowledge and training and make them productive and upskill them so how did you grow your business from that point onwards was it all social media and if so how did you actually use it actually i'll give it yes 70% of the credit to social media with social media how i grew is one image a day two images a day lots of messages lots of conversation because i strongly believe social media is they are not old school marketing tools they are for social interaction so you want to see other people's work you want other people to see your work and interact and that's creating a community of people who like your work take a picture of whatever you are making post it at the same time write about it talk about your journey 
because as an artist it's very important that people understand your journey i did do small fairs i'm not a small fair person i'm not the person who sits stands in front and speaks about my product so i'm very uncomfortable in larger settings with tell your products but i'll say to everyone who starts off new that you know go stand there get a review let's people see your work and just tell you whether they love it or not if they don't then there is some hope for improvement and if they love it that means you're going the right direction so either ways it helps that's right it's also a way for you to get feedback which is an interesting point because normally most businesses i think treat social media as like a distribution channel or an advertising channel versus you're actually using it as a way to also grow as an artist and the more you develop your pieces become talking points in themselves and i think that lends itself to word of mouth so i strongly believe if you are selling an experience if you are selling the essence of your art or the essence of your product then you will be remembered they will come back oh you know that place that thing because it's an experience which they will remember you know things you forget but moments and experiences stays longer with you so padmayam is a very is an experimental studio i ask students to experiment and try various different techniques to figure out their own style it's not a studio which will make you the perfect bowl and the perfect plate we do teach you that but we also teach you to explore yourself and what's your sensibility so that's something which i strongly believe as anybody who comes into art space should create their own pieces and not have to copy what i do and what i like that's not the style necessarily which works for you so that's one big part of uh, the whole journey the other big thing about padmeham is that we also encourage you to de-stress decompose de have lesser anxiety because this the way the pace is the way we are all every day two and a half hours of no cell phone two and a half hours of looking inwards and just be away from the buzz like you're constantly having no mind space when you are in on the grid which i say if you are in padmeham you are your hands are dirty with clay and you cannot touch your phone you're off the grid for those two and a half hours and that's when you start looking inwards it's very meditative you're working with the five elements you're working with water and clay and wind and it's very therapeutic so the product is a pro- part of a process and not the final result so the process is very important because you go through various experiences with the process and of course you will make a cup at the end of the day the cup will be felt the process if you were sobbing crying and upset and you are get venting out your cup might be looking very different from you came in from a happy place and you made your cup so it is a journey and that's the i like to push in padmeham that you work towards that journey when they a lot of times they say oh it's not perfect and it's not round and i say you can go to daiso and pick up a 2 dollar cup and it will be perfect you don't have to come to a padmeham which is way more expensive than a daiso so i'm not selling you a perfect cup here and if you want that you can get in any daiso i'm selling you an experience where you've made something that is beyond you you've expected what you feel and you've created something that is completely yours this is a very valuable input tania because i think many people in creative disciplines who want to try and make a business feel like they're competing with exactly what you said the perfect cup in a shop 
but you're right i think people buy art or custom made stuff because of the back story the provenance the experience of it and what you're doing is you're wrapping the actual object in such an experience that the object almost becomes irrelevant slightly changing track over here you said that you know many people who come to padmeham actually come from a sort of place of poor mental health especially over the last two years it's a way for them to work out some of that tension on a related note during your journey did you face any challenges on the way were there times when you felt like this is not working and you can't keep going and how did you so the start of padmeham was a very rocky start i would say i was a home studio for for several years and then since it's an experimental studio and i wanted to try more i had to move out to a larger space you're always nervous when you're making investments in art based products whether you'll be successful or not so i did face problems with the partner i had to rethink the whole idea of how to run the studio and then uh, i had friends people who stood behind like a rock so i also believe that having a community of other artists other people who share the same kind of mind space is also very important for artists i also am a reiki practitioner and i believe that everything happens for a good reason and everything happens for the positive so saying that that also helps have faith in whatever you are doing at you shall get there that's true i think maybe more so for creative artists versus regular businesses and founders maybe building this community around them makes sense because unlike with regular businesses where you're selling something and that something at least is and has some obvious value with art it's uh, so subjective so in padmeham you also i think work with a bunch of other wannabe artists so now i could say with pleasure happiness and yes i don't want to sound boastful that there are almost 200 odd people who keep in and out of padmeham studio and lot of them are artists in their own and they're amazing artists some of them so some of them uh, are watercolors some of them are bakers all kinds but then lot of them don't have a platform or the confidence to take it to the next level they're just amazing at what they do but either they don't know how to go to the next step or they're just very nervous i have tried it and that's my idea that i'm going to create padmeham into a platform for other artists it can be a launch for other artists to showcase their work other people to come and tell them what they want it's not a business idea where oh, i'm going to take money from these artists and i'm going to give them a space it's more like it's a community of people who want to grow and develop so they will put up their stalls their friends will come and buy probably buy my products my friends will come and buy their products and it will create a small community of people who like handmade done products and it will give confidence to everyone right like it's not a exhibition space but community space for which i'm trying to grow i think it's a really good way of giving back and tani i have to hand it to you somehow you've managed to keep this essence of giving back at the core of everything that you're doing on one side you're helping villagers uh, earn a living the second thing that you're doing is helping underprivileged women as actually giving them employment training upskilling uh, in your own business and now you're actually also helping other artists kind of develop themselves and build their own creative businesses 
it's a fantastic endeavor Dani I think we talk about I mean I'm from the regular business world and so on and we all talk about you know triple bottom line and whatever your business seems to be all about you know so many different ways of bottom line I think that's a fantastic endeavor and there should be more such people like you to be honest uh thank you so much for having me over and i'm happy to always share how you can help people do business in art and enjoy the art in their business so it, it works both way if you are not enjoying your art you can't make more of it you should also enjoy the business side of selling your art so, so tania thank you so much for sharing your journey with us and i was actually noting a few key points that i thought we could leave our listeners with I think the first point is just around belief in your creative idea. So if you have something, just go ahead and do it. Even if other people don't think it's going to work or whatever, even if you have to innovate your way until you finally find that audience, but you know just keep at it. The second thing is you can use education and upskilling as a way to build a team and while doing that you also do some good for the world. third point i think i took away is that art is more than about money and if you can make it such that it's an experience and it's not just about the end object and how much you're paying for it you actually don't need ads and performance marketing and all of that kind of stuff you just make pieces that add value to the person you know holistically and they create some amount of joy and then with the added societal benefit and you know all of that that you've incorporated people keep coming back because the pieces themselves act as their own advertising the next one is i think what you've done is that you've not been afraid to keep experimenting and pushing the envelope so with tania clay earlier you kept making different kinds of pieces you kept thinking about how the piece can be useful beyond its intended purpose and then you set up padmeham to be even more avant garde and try out all kinds of other stuff and in the process help other creative artists and because you keep doing this you eventually hit upon things that work but if you don't try you will probably never hit upon uh, you know the the audience for your work and also you're a very successful entrepreneur now but you've been on this journey for quite a while i think maybe what 7 8 10 years 10 years though 10 years so it's it seems evident that one can be successful but you have to be in it in it and trying and experimenting but if you are there in the game and you keep doing it you will eventually get to a point of success and in fact i think more success than maybe what you were going to have in your corporate career do a actual measurement of if i was a partner in an architecture firm and how much financially i would be benefiting probably i would be benefiting lesser than what i do today and my hours are flexible i work from 8 to 2 and there's it's not comparable to the benefits today but was the journey rocky was the journey tough yes and do you question yourself multiple times yes so and when you're experimenting you do fail it just feels like i haven't failed but i've failed multiple times when you're experimenting so but also experimenting makes you feel less nervous that you'll be copied you'll be cheated uh, and stolen your ideas will be taken away because you're not in one spot at any time for others to just copy security uh fades away yeah so i think these are great lessons i'm hoping that anybody with a creative bent of mind listens to this episode and is inspired to follow your footsteps and to start their journey as well or keep on their journey if they are if they are struggling with it right now uh once again tania really appreciate having you with us today 
and for everyone listening thank you so much for tuning in you'll find the show notes the entire episode transcript etc on crazytalk.online and also a link to tanya clay studio padmeham if you want to learn more if you want to try making some stuff of your own and yes please do remember to rate this episode five stars and please do follow the show and keep coming back for more like this thank you tanya for being with us today have a great day viva tanya namit with shop talk see you next time